a big question but then at the same time bring up like five more equally big questions they're just messing with our minds I think but the crazy thing is on the sci-fi network on certain nights of the week they'll just show old lost episodes by old I mean like last year you know? and uh, they'll show a couple of them in a row and it's so different to watch a lost an episode of Lost from, say, the second season, when you've seen through, like, the fifth season and you know what's going on, you watch the other, the previous ones so differently because things you wondered then you know the answer to now and there's things that you see that didn't didn't make sense at the time, but now that you're further down the storyline, now they do make sense and you see the pure genius of the show. And um, that last song is is one of those it has that same effect or it should have that same effect on us um, as Christians that we know how the story ends and that should make our daily existence different it should be just like when you watch a movie that you've already seen you know the end you watch it with it through a different lens and so we should interpret all of our experiences differently because of the truth of what we just sang about. That there's coming a day when everything's going to be completely fine. And that he wins. And that because he wins, we win. And things in life that are hard right now, are they're not going to be hard. And so I hope that, that that truth, that we know the end of the story, I hope it makes a difference for us. And I'm grateful for songs like that, that that put it right in front of you and say it so plainly. Um, and I hope that for all of us, it really does change things. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 tonight. Uh, we're going to kind of wrap up where we've been over the last couple of weeks, which has been in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, and so if you would go ahead and turn there. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 um, begins with the word, therefore. One of the first things I remember learning as a church kid was when you see therefore, you have to go see what it's there for. So if you learn nothing else tonight, then maybe that's a little nugget you can tuck away in the old gray matter. Um, that's, what, that's what Doc Johnson used to say. Anybody who went to Central High and had Doc Johnson for biology. He was always talking about the gray matter referring to your brain. We never really understood who started dissecting animals. I'm like, oh, it's great. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Um, begins by saying, therefore, and so that's really just saying, in light of everything I've just said, here is a, conclusion, a concluding idea before we move on to the next part. 
And so we're not going to read all of Ephesians 4, but we started a couple weeks ago in uh, verse 7, I believe. Uh, yeah. yeah. Started in 7, and we've just kind of been trotting through it over the last couple weeks. And we started off talking about how um, how God has, has placed people into the church um, in order and kind of gifted them in certain ways in order to teach and to uh, uh, build up and to equip uh, everybody to go and to, to do the things that he's called us to do, to live the kind of life that he's called us to live, and, and how every church is equipped with, with those people, and that's a part of the task you know, that they have. And, and so the, the bigger idea is that God has intentionally wired up literally every single church in such a way that that's supposed to be one of the things that's happening as we all live life together, is we're supposed to be equipped so that we can go to work, we can go into our, our homes and our neighborhoods, and, and we can, can go and be witnesses that Jesus, it, he, Jesus really is who he said he was. And so we, kinda, we, we started there, and, and that's some of where our summer community group you know, concept has come from, you know, that idea. And then, and then that kind of spilled over into the next paragraph where it was talking about how, how our lives as Christians need to look different than people who are not Christians. Not saying we, we, need, we are better than them, not saying that we are, you know, we're right and they're wrong. I mean, not taking like an arrogant approach to it at all, but just when you compare, there needs to be something different about the way that we live our lives. And just like I said a minute ago, because we know the end of the story. I mean, that's got to impact things. And, and so we just kind of had a little bit of it. And an honest night of just saying, you know, sometimes our lives don't look that different from people who aren't Christians. But how literally everything that we do, we're, there's, it sh- there should be a difference. And, and granted, uh, like uh, Pastor Francis Chan, he put it this way, you know, he, he said there are, there, are, there are times to be weird, okay, times when you're, like, you need to be not like everybody else. And there are times when you need to, when Christians need to do a better job of blending in, you know, um, and, and so it's about discerning when to be weird and when to fit in. And so we just kind of talked about that. And, and how do you know without setting up a bunch of rules about, you know, what kind of movies you're going to see and what kind of music you're going to listen to and, and uh, all these different rules about behavior? Because Jesus said, I came to get rid of all that stuff. Like, how do you discern in different situations, like, how to, how to live? How do you know when, when to be weird? And how do you know when to just kind of fit in in order to connect with people and stuff, and, and so uh, we kind of were there. And if you know, if you listen to the podcast, if you'd like to know more about that, um, and so that really concluded. It came down to the end of uh, verse twenty-four, um, or really twenty-three and twenty-four. Said, "Be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness." The true righteousness and holiness. I mean, that's the standard, and so that's really how you know. Um, in this situation, how does true righteousness and holiness manifest in my life? If that means I need to be weird, then I'm weird. And I don't blend in with the crowd. If that means that I need to blend in with the crowd in order for that to happen, then, then you, you know, roll that way. But how being renewed in the spirit of your mind was really the, the key to that. This idea of, of there's, there's an old self that's associated with our life before Christ, and there's a new self that he has empowered us to live and the key to, uh, to breaking free from this old life and to walking out and living out who we are in this new life 
is to fill our minds with truth. And that next paragraph, uh, 25 all the way to 32, um, goes through different ex- examples of, uh, of what your old life looked like, what your new life should look like when you walk it out, and truth that you fill your mind with in order to make that a reality. So we just kind of went through these examples, and it talks about anger, it talks about speaking the truth, it talks about being uh, generous and stuff, um, corrupt talk, uh, sin, bitterness, uh, being kind. I mean, I just went through all these practical things. And so the therefore in verse 1 is therefore basically to sum up all that stuff. So you could take the last three weeks of what we've studied and kind of compress it into the first two verses of chapter 5. Some of you maybe wish we just cut right to the chase. But we didn't. We went the long way. That's okay. Um, and so, uh, so in light of all that stuff, um, being equipped to go out and to live, our lives looking different, the old self versus the new self, filling our mind with truth and walking out who we really are, therefore, in light of all that stuff, look at verses 1 and 2. Is therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Sum it, sum it all up. And I think it's worth, it was worth our time to go slowly and break things down and look at it or whatever. But if you want to just, just all park all that and you want to just broad stroke what, we, what we've been talking about, this is what it boils down to. Be imitators of God and walk in love. beautiful, is it? I mean, it really does, sums everything up. Let's, let's pick this apart just a little bit. Um, so we picked apart the first word, okay? That took like 10 minutes. Um, be imitators of God. Um, this is, it, it is what it is, to imitate Him. Um, so I was really just spending some time over the past couple of days thinking about what that is. I think for every one of us, it comes down to, uh, we, have to we have to contextualize this idea. If you look at your life and the things that, um, that you do and the life that you live, the places that you go, your routines, just kind of all your whole existence, you have to say, in my context, I need to imitate God. How would God live your life? So if, if you're a teacher, then how would God exist as a teacher in relationship to the students, to other faculty members, to your authorities that are over you, as far as the, the amount of hard work you put in, the quality of job that, that you do, um, the attitude that you approach, like the daily you know, grind that is being a teacher, um, how do you handle your, your time in the, in the off season, you know, in the summers and stuff, and how do you handle your weekends? And I mean, all the different dynamics of what it means to be a teacher, you have to say, how can I imitate God in literally in every single one of those aspects of being a teacher? That's what I mean by contextualizing this idea. And so whether you're a teacher or if you're an attorney or if you're an engineer, if you are between jobs, if you are a a mom, a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, or uh, if you're a college student or if you're a high school student, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Every single one of us, this is one of the things that we're to do, is we're to textualize this idea of imitating God. And so as a pastor, I have to sit down and I have to really think, 
and, and this is kind of weird because like Jesus is the boss of the church, so I understand that. But uh, but if if God were to pastor a church that's three and a half years old and and, and is made up of this group of people, how would how would he do that? How can I imitate him in such a way that that just is my life? And I think like to be very literal about this would be um, for every one of us to sit down and to actually think about it. You know, not just one of those, like, here's some food for thought, you know, we need to imitate God. But really, you sit down and you take a sheet of paper, not not a line sheet of paper because it's too, too much bondage. You get a blank sheet of paper, it's completely free. Um, and you and really sit down and, and figure this out um, in a way that is going to really make a difference. Um, because I think, I think if, if we do that and you make a list, make a list of, of your routines and the tasks that you have to do and your job, you know, like the job circle and the family circle and the, you know, whatever, and all these different things are going on, all your friendships and your relationships and all your responsibilities. And look at this sheet of paper and say, okay, how can I imitate God? It might be a little bit overwhelming. But I tell you what, what doing that will do, it'll keep you from treating this like it's some kind of a game. It'll, it'll keep it from, it'll keep going to church and all this kind of stuff from being like just something you do because, because you're a great American. Sean Hannity, we love you. It breaks that, it, 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 it keeps us from being just a religious group that comes together and goes through the motions each week and scatters out and just go do whatever until the next week. Helps you look at your life as what it really is, something that's bigger than you, more important than you. You look at that sheet of paper and you see a life that's worth living, not a life that's just trying to make it. So be imitators of God, and not just in the, not just in the good stuff. You go through all that stuff and you feel, all right, I'm going to go with my teacher deal because I, I taught for a little while. You know, and and you figure out, okay, this is this is in relation to my student. Like, like I really think this is how I can imitate them and my other teacher, my fellow faculty members, and then my administrators and all that. You get all that stuff figured out. But then there's like a whole other perspective on it. You say, okay, so how how can I imitate God when I'm having the worst day ever? How would God handle a bad day? How would God handle kids that are just completely bouncing off the walls? How would God handle the one kid who probably would take a swing at you if they could? And just might one day. Or how does God handle, a, a, how, how would God handle a, a downturn in the economy? How would God handle difficulties at home that are bound to affect you at work? Not just the good stuff, it's not so good stuff too. So we contextualize it. Be imitators of God because of all the stuff that we talked about, because our lives are supposed to look different, because our church has come together to be equipped, to be able to go out and, and to live, and there's an old self and a new self, and there's truth that we're filling our minds with. And we, therefore, because of all that stuff, I sit down with a blank sheet of paper, and I say, all right, Lord, let's, let's start making some progress here. Because imitating you is not a joke to me. It's not a nice thought not an Oprah moment that I'll ponder. 
is the, the real deal of what life is about. See, when we see, when we, I don't know, that word imitate, I, I, for a while, like, I chased these thoughts about, like, people who do impressions. Like, I'm just amazed at people who do impressions, um, like good ones, though, not bad ones. Um, and, uh, like, there's this, there's this uh, skit on Saturday Night Live, and it's, like, the, it's the Walken family reunion. Have you seen it? So Christopher Walken is on there, and uh, he's, he's, like, a pretty imitatable guy. Like, you know, like he's quirky and, like, whatever. But so the whole SNL cast, like all their hair looks just like him, and they're all kind of dressed like him. But every single cast member gets to do their Christopher Walken impression as they each like come up and stuff like that. And it's so funny, um, as you because that's why you're all laughing. And um, so you should definitely check that out. But that like one of the things about that like skit is that like doing impressions is something that like that's like what comedians do. And so they they all of them if, if they hadn't already done it. In order to like pull this skit off, they had to study Christopher Walken, and they had to pick apart his, his mannerisms, uh, the way his voice inflections, the you know the, the tone and all this kind of stuff, and like everything about him. They had to pick that apart, and then practice learning like doing that and trying to imitate that. And they had to stand in front of a mirror and figure that out, and they had to watch video, and they had to completely study him in order to be able to come out on stage and do their Christopher Walken impression. So I was just thinking about that and how when it says be imitators of God, I mean, that's it's the same thing. That's why we come in here on Sunday nights. and That's why there are some nights where, where we don't get practical at all. We just talk about character of God. Who he is, what he's like, things that he's told us about himself. How we know those things to be true. We study the character of God because we, we can't imitate something you've never studied. There are times when we do that. There are times in community group where it's not like, you know, the four P's of prayer that you can, like, implement into your life. Sometimes it's like, we're going to go through this song. We're going to talk about how awesome God is. That's why that's beneficial because that's how we know who we're imitating. That's what's cool about every one of us having scripture and if you don't have a bible tell me I'll, I'll get you one and i hope that you bring them with you like i hope that you don't just rely on the screen up here like i think i think it's good for us to turn in our own bible and to see that ephesians 5 is in the top part of this deal right here i think it's important for us to read it in the translations that you have not just the one that's on the screen because on monday you need to be getting in here and on tuesday you need to be getting in Wednesday, you know what I'm saying? So it's important that we do that. Why? Because we're, if we're going to imitate them, we've got to know who we're imitating. So in that way, it's like, like doing an impression. But then it's real different from doing an impression, too. Because on the, the Walken family reunion skit, when that skit was over with, they, except for Christopher Walken, they all stopped acting like Christopher Walken. Because an impression is just an impression. When you see imitate, that's that's more of a way of life. But it's like an impression because you study you study the original and you try to to be just like the original. But it's different than an impression because when I, at least in the way that I'm thinking about it, 
because imitating God is not like, hey, let me do my, my Jesus impression for you. You imitate someone, you're trying to literally live the way that they live. It's different. You're not trying to crack people up at parties. You're trying to transform the way that you live from your pattern into his pattern. So we contextualize this. Because of all that stuff in chapter 4, just imitate God. You want a goal for this week? Imitate God. Then it doesn't just say, therefore, imitate God. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. See, that adds, that adds like a whole, a whole cool dynamic to it. As beloved children. Because as his kids that he loves, we're not we're not limited, okay, to um, what we read here about him. We bring something else to the table when it comes to imitating him, because we are able to imitate what we know to be true. We don't have to just read about his kindness which is great, and that would be enough. But this whole lanyap to this whole thing is that we not only can read about his kindness, but we can experience his kindness. So we can imitate him not only based on what we know, but also what we have experienced to be true. So if you sit down with your blank sheet of paper, and you're like, how in the world am, am I going to imitate God in my daily life? Then you really just have to say, okay, what have I experienced about God that I can imitate? He has been kind to me so I can be kind to other people. In the same way that he was kind to me, I'll just, I'll just repeat that. I'll imitate. He has forgiven us, right? So then you imitate that forgiveness by forgiving other people. He has been faithful and steady. Reproduce that in the lives and of the people that you have contact with. He's been gracious, he's been just, he's been firm. He's gone the second mile. I mean, there's so many things we can we can say. So we're able to imitate something not only that we've read about to be true, like I said, that that would be enough, but we bring experience in it. We just pass that on. Basically, when it says, as beloved children, we say, all right, God's loved me as his kid. I'm going to love other people the same way he's loved me. The kids, kids imitate adults constantly. Um, there's this picture, and I couldn't find it, uh, of course, but um, for, like, for a little over 20 years, my dad was the band director at Central High School, and he got the job when I was two or three. So, from very young age, I was just around, I was just in that environment all the time. And, and being a band director is, I mean, you, you teach during the day, but you also have, there's after school stuff, and there's trips, and all this stuff. And uh, so I just was just in that environment all the time. And there's a picture when I was maybe four, my, we were at, at the school, in the band room, or whatever, after something, or whatever, and they looked over, and I was standing on the podium with the, like, baton, thing, you know, that you conduct with, 
and I'm like conducting a band that doesn't exist. And like all cute kids, I had to get a picture of it. And so, um, so there's this picture, and I'm like, I mean, it, I'm like going for it big time because I had seen that. I stood there and watched my dad do that. Kids imitate parents all the time. That's why you go to a toy section, and there's not just like dolls and G.I. Joe things. I guess it makes G.I. Joe still. Um, but there's also like little plastic lawnmowers because there comes a point, it's a very short window, there comes a point when the kid wants to cut the grass because dad's cutting the grass. They make little, like little, little tool sets because, well, dad's using a drill, I want to use a drill. They make little kitchen things, little easy bake oven type deals. Why? Because mom's baking, I want to bake. Kids imitate their parents. That's what they do. And it's awesome. The reason why they do that is because they absolutely love their parents. And they love them so much that they want to be like them. One of the things about love, like it, it, there's a duplicating aspect to it. watch a couple start dating and they fall in love and they get engaged and whatever and I guarantee you that dude is watching so you think you can dance at some point no doubt about it you guys try to act like you don't that's that's the way it goes and there are girls who all of a sudden like they want to watch people climb into a boxing ring beat the tar out of each other and they don't know why they want to there's just there's something duplicating about love that's just the way that it works so we imitate God as beloved children who've experienced all this stuff and we just pass it on to other people in the way that he would do it. Look at the second verse. This is like the first one, but a little bit different. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in love. Live a life of love. But it's not just any love. It says two, two things. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That's a, that's a life that's sacrificial. That's a life that is about the big picture and that is about other people. And that says a lot. It says a lot too. If you have your sheet of paper and you're really like you're really like prayerfully working through, and I don't mean to make it all mechanical, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Let's say you're really working through like how can I imitate God? Like I'll, this is not a joke to me. One of the things you look at is sacrificial love, and the fact that that's the kind of love that God has loved us with. Jesus didn't love us. Um, He didn't love us from a perspective that was about him and him alone. I think a lot of times we 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 live that way, and that's a leftover from our old life. And so that's part of one of the things we're trying to rehab uh, in our hearts and in our minds. Just to walk 
Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A love that is sacrificed. Say, how can I put, how can I love people in such a way that puts them ahead of myself? See, that's something only God really is going to be able to show you about your life. Because when you sit there and you look at that and you think about all the relationships God given you, all this kind of stuff, in each relationship it's going to look a little bit different about how do you love them sacrificially? How do you put their needs ahead of your own? But it's directly connected to the next idea of fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus loved us and he sacrificed himself for us so it was... It was about us in a sense. It was about us because that would then lead to the glory of God. So when it says walk in love, it's really talking about love that is both sacrificial and worshipful at the same time. Love love that sacrifices but also seeks to glorify God. And so when we look at how, okay, how how can I imitate God? How can I walk in love? Saying how can I love people in such a way that is about their needs ahead of mine, but more importantly, as that is carried out, a way that is glorifying to God, to where that is fragrant offering. See, it gets it gets more challenging as the verse goes on. The first is like, oh, imitate God, awesome. Just like a kid, pass it on to other people. Cool. Well, that's going to mean sacrifice. Ooh. And sacrifice from a heart that's desire is to worship and glorify God at pretty much any cost. So that changes the sacrifice. See, for Jesus, the glory of the Father was the most important thing. And so that is why it went from uh, what we would look at and say, like, why would you ever want to endure the cross? Him saying, it's not my will, it's your will. And so we take that and we put that onto our lives and we say, okay, that's what my life's supposed to be about. Let's do that. It gets challenging. But if we want to imitate God, that's what we're imitating. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty simple, yet very complex. Have both at the same time. I think you do. So we have to look at this, and we can't like we can't sit there and be like, "Wow, I don't want to do that." See, these verses these verses should push us forward. Like it should make us be like, "I no no, I want my life to be that way." I'm frustrated that my life is not that way. That's why he spent chapter 4 laying everything out. Saying the church is is one body that goes out and and takes care of all this stuff, so we're going to equip you so that your lives look different. That you're putting off the old self and you're walking out the new self, and I'm giving you all this truth to fill your minds with so that holiness and righteousness can can be the way you want to live. He lays it, all these verses lays it out is therefore be imitators of God. Spent the whole chapter making you want that. That's what it comes down to. 
say, okay, I'll, I'm going to do that. Because I want my life to be a fragrant offering. That is about the glory of God first and the needs of others second. And then however I fit in there really is that important. And in that sense, we are beloved children. We're imitating God. Cool beans. Let's pray. Father, your, um, your word communicates so much, and um, thank you that there's so much packed into these two verses. God, just for the way it just sums up so much of, of your heart and our mission. God, applying these things and walking this out, it looks differently in all of our lives, but then it looks the same in all of our lives at the same time. So, Father, we're, we're trusting you that, that you've, you've been in, in process over these last couple of weeks that we've, as we've been going through these verses. And now that this is not just a random run through Ephesians, God, this is a part of your plan for our church, for our lives. So, God, we just need you to show us, continue to show us how this makes a difference in how we live. We love you so much. We need you. We trust you. And we thank you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.